on a topic that's not a biblical topic, but I think the Bible does have a lot to say about how you treat one another, and so we're going to talk about dating, so just in case you know, I'm not modeling this after Riley or anybody in particular, you know, I, I feel like it's something that we, we in the church avoid. You, I bet you never heard a sermon on dating anyplace else but here, but I think it's something you have to talk about because there is no rule. I, I had a student here years ago that was a PhD student from India whose parents arranged his marriage while he was here. So he went home, and two weeks later, he married the lady and back home to India. And it was really an interesting thing because he'd kind of gotten Americanized a little bit. And then his mom picked out his wife. Now, I don't know about if anything scares you in life, but the thought of my mother picking out my wife scares me to death. You know, it's like, I can't imagine. And so clearly, the Bible has seen traditions and cultures change about it. But we all sort of realize in our culture right now, dating is... It's sort of a necessary evil. You've got to do it. And so I, 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 there was a, a movement maybe 10 years ago among Christians to kind of go back and they do this thing where they just say, there is no dating anymore. You just sort of hang out in a group and then fall in love. And it was kind of led by a guy who's, he wrote a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And maybe some of you all have read it. I do not recommend the, the it was a nice thought, but it was impractical. The idea was that if you just kind of hung out at Wesley Function someday, you'd fall in love and marry one of them. The problem is, you've got to be alone sometimes to kind of get to that point where you're in love. And so the fallacy of it is like, how long do you wait? You know, in our country right now, the average marriage first time is like 27 and 28, not 22. And so Aguilon's a little behind that norm, I think. But, but still, you've got to realize you could be single a really long time, particularly if you're going to play the typical engineering game where I don't date, I'm just waiting for somebody to fall into my lap and say, I love you. And it's like, that really doesn't work. We had a guy here for years and years, probably married at 35 or so, I don't remember when he finally married, but he actually sat there in my office and told me that he just knew that he was praying about this woman and that he would just, she would know and he would know that when they met that they were to be married. That's just ridiculous, guys. You've got to stop that. That's dumb romanticism from an engineer, no less. Where do you read that from? You know, it's like, stop and think about this. It's like, I want to put together your brain a little bit along with your emotions on this. You can't watch romantic movies all the time or read romantic books and expect that everything's going to be perfect because it happened in a really dramatic way. I, I tend to go with the averages. You know, Wesley has a great record of marriages, of people who love each other and last in their marriage because they're dating wonderful people, but also because they stop and think. They don't just marry the first emotional relationship they have. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about it, but I think I told you a couple weeks ago, what I learned as a youth minister was junior high girls can fall in love at 13 and be absolutely sure, absolutely sure that this is the person they're supposed to marry. They are in love as far as they know. Do we think they're in love? No, we'd go, Psh, puppy love. But to them, it's real. So you can't just trust your feelings on this, guys. This is one of those things you have to think through. It's like, if you refuse to date, you're basically refusing to ever meet anybody. And I'll talk a little bit later about dating online because that's where you're going to end up in our culture pretty soon if you won't try, try to be brave. So what I'm saying, guys, is it might be a great time to, to stir yourself a little bit and go, maybe I should ask someone out. Or at least hang out where girls hang out once in a while. You know, be in the lounge long enough to know their names. You know, I, I'm not suggesting go to every girl you see and ask her out. That doesn't work. People have tried that at Wesley. And, they, and basically what happens, it's true, isn't it, Ben? Yes. And true, what happens is all the girls are like, he asked her out, he asked her, whoo, he's a creeper. You know, it's like because he, he did, it was not discriminatory. He, I called it the shotgun approach. He just shot out there and hoped it would hit some girl and they'd fall in love with him. So you, you go ahead and laugh because it 
takes the tension out a little bit, but I think a lot of the ridiculous things I've been through, I think to myself, what were they thinking? But, okay, true confessions. The reason I think God made me a campus minister to talk about dating is because I screwed it up so many times myself. I forever am assuming people's feelings are the same as my feelings. And so when I did things, I didn't think about how they felt or whatever, when, that, when I should have been more sensitive. And now there's probably a lot of girls out there that think Max is a jerk. But Liz doesn't think that, do you? No, not most of the time, anyway. Did I ever, did I ever tell you Liz was going to publish a book sometime, I Married a Jerk, was going to be the title of it? True story, yeah, yeah, true. But I forbid her to write it, you know? But no, I didn't really. But anyway, uh, it's still in the works, let's call it that way. But anyway, so back, back to this. I picked a scripture that is not about dating in particular, but guys, I think it's one of the best verses connected to what you should think about. If I can say one thing about dating that you will listen to, consider that that person you're dating is loved by God every, much, every bit as much as you are. And so when you hurt them, you hurt God. You know, when you, they hurt you, it hurts God. You know, and so it's like, look at it that way. God really likes those people. And so he doesn't want you destroying Wesley with your dating behavior, or your, especially your immoral behavior. So beginning in 1 Peter... Uh, chapter 5, verse 5 through 9. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Let's pray. Lord, help apply your word to our hearts. Help us to see dating through your eyes. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As soon as I read that, I thought of Luke's t-shirt with the lion roaring on the front of it, or sweatshirt. So I guess maybe that Bible verse was for you, Luke, I guess. Be careful of the, the devil here. So, okay, there's a battle going on always in every culture, it seems like, of young people and old people. Have you noticed that? It's like, now that, yeah, you know, you get over 25, and it's like, you're really not cool anymore, you know, and then you get over 50, and you might as well be dead, right? And there's even a movie, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the movie, but the movie is, the plan is just kill everybody over 40, and all the problems of the world would go away. But someday you'll be 40 and realize that's not true. But it was actually a thought. You know, it's like, we, we, we in our culture, we sort of tend to, at a certain age, we just kind of push you off to the side. But now we're electing presidents that are 80, which is really weird to me. But anyway, it's interesting how, you know, there's always a, a rub because culture changes. So who do you talk to about dating? This is the problem. Dating in my generation is not exactly the same as it was now. Your parents, as much as they love you, dated 25 years ago, 30 years ago. It's not exactly the same. So then, uh, this is my cynicism here. Who would you go to talk to about dating things? Would you go to a 19-year-old roommate? who's never had a girlfriend, and say, what do you think? Doesn't that seem stupid to you guys? It's like, don't you think you should talk to somebody who's been married for 30 years maybe, and say, what do you think about dating? So I'm not saying don't listen to your parents at all. I'm just saying, remember, cultures change. But talk to people that have experienced healthy experience in dating, not what they read in a book or what they saw in the stupid movie. You know, I have been through some of the craziest things at Wesley. We've been through stalkers. We had, we had people threaten suicide. We had people drop out of school because their girlfriend broke up. We've had real suicides of over, over uh, freshmen breaking up. For all of y'all, raise your hand if you've ever been broken up with before. Do you know that pain? 
Oh, good, good. So you know what I'm talking about. It is incredible, isn't it? It's excruciating to be rejected. And so uh, the reason I say this is, I think God is just. You know, there's a Bible verse that says that. And I think one of the justices of me breaking up with all those girls was the girl that broke my heart. You know what I mean? Before Liz. Liz broke it and fixed it. But, you know, it was like, you know, it was like, yeah, yeah. Now she just pulls it apart once in a while. You know, it's like, no, anyway, seriously, yeah. Seriously, I think, I really do think that you underestimate how much it can hurt a person. Because when you become vulnerable to somebody and then they reject you, it just hurts. And if sex is involved, it's way worse. It's like a divorce when you never even were married. And so take this seriously. If you've never broken up or you've broken, always been the one who broke up with somebody else, you probably hurt them way worse than you thought. And God cannot be happy that we're hurting each other on this subject. On the other hand, so they got one side of the argument is, Kiss dating goodbye. I just won't ever do it again. God will throw a woman into my lap or a man into my lap or whatever. And then on the other side, there's a book I have, one of my favorite books actually, says Christian Ways of Dating and Breaking Up because it acknowledges that breaking up is part of dating. Somehow ending a dating relationship has to be in there somewhere because uh, what's the expression? You're going to kiss some frogs in your life. There'll be some guys or some girls that you know after a few dates, this is not right. This will never go anywhere. So I would throw this at you first off. I think it is wrong of you to date somebody who you know you would never consider marrying. I think you're keeping them from dating the right person. You know, you're never going to really appreciate them. They might be great looking, but you just sort of know them as a rock. You know what I mean? Or not, you know, not your kind of person. Another thing I want you to catch early is I think it's really simple to say you don't belong in a relationship without a, if it's not a Christian relationship. If you're dating somebody who's not a Christian, you better back off quick or your life is going to be very much hooked to that. Now, occasionally you can convert somebody you're dating. Most of the time, they end up pulling you away from God. And is that the way you want your 40 years of marriage to be? Liz and I are so on task spiritually that we hardly ever fight about whether God's going to be first in our life or you know, how it's going to show. It's like just something we don't have to argue about because we basically believe the same things. I've corrected her a few times, but mostly she's... Yeah, yeah, most of the time, you know, we, we agree and stuff. I don't know about you, you know, uh, Brendan... That's just something we don't have to fight about. We don't fight about whether we're going to church. You know, it's not an argument. We don't sit and go fishing on Sunday and send the rest of the family to church. We go to church, and it's kind of an understood. I really feel like that's something, before we even start the conversation, if you want to argue with that, go, go look up a couple of Bible verses on it, and it's the yoke thing, remember? But I think it's time for a revolution. You know, we say that the, the, the generations disagree about stuff here. One of the things that you can do as the young, new culture is change what they did wrong 25 years ago. What went wrong? Look at our marriage rate, guys. Our marriage failure rate is 51%. We can change that by doing it right and stop doing the stupid things that maybe your parents' generation did or people before have done. But you can't change the whole world, but you can change Christianity at Texas A&M. Christian dating is a whole different world. I'm going to throw this out there, and you can laugh at me if you want. But actually, after 30 years here, would say that I'm one of the foremost experts in Christian dating in college at Texas A&M. I'm not an expert in pagan dating. I'm not an expert in anything else. But I have talked to more students about dating than you can imagine because it's so real here, right? And who else is going to talk to? And so I end up hearing all these horror stories of what they did wrong and what they did right. So my advice to you is, at least if you're going to discuss whether you're in love or something, don't talk to a 19-year-old friend. Talk to somebody who's been in a marriage. Talk to your parents or somebody and see... If somebody that's been successful, don't talk to the one who's had five girlfriends and they were all huge failures who hate them. 
He's the last person you should talk to for advice. So think about that one. So heed what others have experienced. I think what this verse is talking about, uh, some people argue that he wasn't really talking about young people as he was talking about spiritual younger people. That you should lead, uh, listen to people in the church that he was writing to who have more experience in life. You know, more experience about uh, how to keep faith in your family and that sort of stuff. And that makes a lot of sense too. But I do think there's an age thing too. There's nothing better than talking to somebody who's happily married for 50 years and ask them how they did it. I don't know if you've ever done that, Rachel, at Overnam Church. Ask Bob what made his marriage special. And it's a beautiful thing to hear the stories, you know. And you're not going to hear, we met in a bar and we got drunk for weekends at a time. You know, it's like, that's not the people that are married 40 and 50 years. I mean, there's probably one out of 100. But if you talk to people, you'll discover that there's all kinds of sweet stories behind it. And commitment is the big word here, not just passion and not just, you know, uh, rebellion. Instead, it's because we committed ourselves before God to work it out. I know Bob, I think Bob had five kids, didn't he? Five kids, four kids. You know, it's like, it's hard to make it through four kids and still love each other and, and be, be, be married. I think they've been married 60 years, something like that. 71. 71, yeah, it's wild talking to those kind of people. It humbles me because I think I'm an oldie wed, but boy, you talk to the 60-year people and I'm a beginner. I am just a beginner. I haven't even learned the right way yet and stuff. So uh, anyway, so then down to clothing yourself with humility. Why does humility have anything to do with this? I think partly because there's a part of every one of us that says, I know myself and I'll, I'll keep my part of dating and do it my way. You know what I mean? No one's going to tell me what to do. I don't know if you ever feel rebellious like that, but I do often. And I'm just going to go, nobody. So there's a book, and I'm going to mention the book to you, not to recommend the book so much. Is It's a great idea. They call it uh, men, no, men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. Sexist is all get out. I'm not trying to be sexist here. But the wisdom I saw in it is the waffle. I totally get it. You guys eat waffles? I love waffles. Belgian waffles especially. Love them, love them. But a Belgian waffle has all those little compartments, you know. And what guys are famous for, and you girls can do it too, but we can take like parts of our waffle and put things over here. Like we'll put our academic life in this part of the waffle over here and then our family life over there. But our sex life and our dating life is like over here in the corner, completely separate. You know, and it's like our Christianity takes over all this waffle except for these two compartments. Somewhere what I'm pleading for is that we get the dating and the sex part back into where God wants it to be. Understand that he has a formula for finding the right person. One of the weird things about when you finally find the person you love for life, you'll know and you just kind of get this feeling that God had a hand in it all along. You know, when you look back, Liz and I, I transferred to the same school, the same semester, you know, from different places, different worlds, and we kind of connected, and yeah, she manipulated me a little, I admit it, but I think God was involved, and I can totally look back and go, God had something to do with this, bringing us together, you know? And I guess that sounds awfully Presbyterian, but I think in a way, we were meant to be together. I'm not saying there's a one and one only out there for you, but I'm saying God was involved in this meeting, for sure, it was a godly thing. And yeah, you're right, we didn't meet in a bar, that, that was not really where we met, so... I feel like you have to get, it says clothe yourself with humility. Bring back that whole idea. I love the idea that you have to do something. You're not just humble. You have to clothe yourself. It's almost like putting on, you guys ever wear bathrobes? I never do. But, you know, it's almost like you put your bathrobe of humility on and go, okay, remind myself that I am not control of the world. You know what? That God knows best what's for me. And it could mean no dating right now at all. I'm not ready. I'm not emotionally stable. My heart was crushed by the last jerk that I dated. Wait. They always say at least six months after a breakup before you get into another relationship because you're so hurt. It takes you that long to heal over. And when you can sit down and go, this is what I did wrong in those other relationships, 
then it's probably time for you, you can start again. You know, this pain, a lot of freshmen, can I pick on you a minute? Freshmen are like bait for people in college. It's like the, the guys are like, oh, freshmen, I should go, you know, take advantage of their stupidity. Beware, girls. You know, don't be naive. You know, it's like I, I talked to some oldie, oldie singles about how they met online, and they were telling me how careful you have to be in our world now. College is actually safer than some of the places outside. You have to, like, meet online. Don't give them your phone number, and don't, you know, don't give them your address because there's creepers out there and all these weirdos. Well, I think it's kind of like that. You have to learn to protect yourself a little bit. There is no reason to date to marry as a freshman. I mean, you might go out for fun. You might go out to be with people, but it's like, what's the hurry? Did they ever can, can think for a second, if Ben married a freshman now, how long would he wait until she was ready to get married? Ben would be 35, 40. I mean, it's like, you know, no, just kidding. <laughs> no, seriously, I just think you've got to answer. You guys that are fixing to graduate, you're a whole lot more serious about thinking about settling down than a freshman is. And so one year we actually, this is funny because Keith's here. Keith's mom and dad started dating when she was a freshman. He was a grad student. And the whispers were terrible. It was like, oh, that's scandalous, you know. And it worked. I mean, they actually got married and have three kids. And oh, I guess that's your mom too. Right, sorry. I was looking over at Keith. You know, it's like, <laughs> sorry. But that, it, we had like six that year and five of them ended up getting married, which was really funny. So I'm not saying it never happens. I'm just saying... Most of the time, you know, you don't even need to think about dating when you're a freshman. Just enjoy fellowship. Enjoy yourselves be, meeting all these new people and stuff. But I do think, and I think I told you last week, you've got to really avoid dating randomly on campus. Gone are the days where you can just meet somebody in class and go, sure, I'll go out with you. It's too scary, too risky. You've got to know them. You've got to know they're a church person somewhere. Make sure they come to church with you before you say yes. You know what I mean? It's like get some connection and make sure they're not just faking for you. There are lots of people that will fake be in church people just to go out with you. And so you have to get, find out if there really is a personal and faith involved. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It kind of repeats it, right? Clothe yourself with humility. And then it says, and then humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Believe that God has a part of this. You guys with the waffle, if you put your sex and your dating over here and you totally ignore that, you know, it's like that's over there and this is my Christian life, you know, there's going to be trouble because God wants all of you, right? He wants to be in your life, not in a compartment of your life. And that's really hard to do. It's like, how do you be a moral dater and a moral man sexually or a moral woman, the same thing? I feel like realize that every person that you go out with is worthy in God's eyes for love and respect. And so if you use them, you're hurting them. You know, you're doing the opposite of what God... Remember what they call the law of love is? That anything you do that hurts others is wrong, is sin. So it's true in dating too, right? If you're a jerk, I, I know some guys that like, i got to tell you this story, Scott, who now has four kids, by the way, and is married, actually, when email first started, came into my office and he said, Max, help me break up with this girl on email. I was like, why don't you tell her? I, I, I just can't talk to her. They're dating, and he can't talk to her. And so we composed an email against my will on how to tell this girl that it was over. It's like, that's wrong. Be a man, you know, be a, be a woman. Stand up and go, Talk to them face-to-face. You know, if, if there's something wrong in the relationship, tell them something's wrong. Probably the best thing you could do as a, as a policy is just be honest. Right? If you feel guilty about something you're doing, say it. You know, if you feel like this is not going anywhere, say it. Wouldn't it be better for Riley if you just said, Riley, you know, uh, you're a nice guy, I love you, but not that way. Better to do that three weeks into the dating than to wait two years and go, 
see you, Riley. You know, it's like you, you were fun, but not a serious thing. I think that, I, I can't tell you, let, let me say on the other side of that argument, I've had so many girls say things like, I think of him as my brother and I love him as my brother, but I don't think of him as a dating partner, right? Same thing to you girls. She's a great girl, but I just don't think of her that way. That hurts. Doesn't that hurt? It's like if everybody thinks you're just one of the guys and nothing special about you, certainly nobody qualified to love. You know, it's, I feel like that's kind of careful. I mean, painful. So this one, then he goes, cast all your anxiety on him. Think about it in the sense of dating, how much anxiety there is about this. Worried about being alone too long. It is no sin, let me just say, to graduate not married. Let me tell you, that's, that's a standard that's long gone in our culture. You don't have to get married. If you don't absolutely want to be married, don't do it. Because that means you're not ready. You're not really with the right person at the right time in your life, I think. But I feel like it's, it's important to go, remember the Bible verse says, cast your anxiety. It doesn't say drop them, which would be nice if you just drop them. But cast them means throw them away. You know, stop worrying about, will anybody ever love you? Can I just say that there's not a person in here that's not a wonderful person? a beautiful person. It's just a matter of waiting, right? Not being so anxious about it, not jumping into the situation before it's time, and let God work in it, you know? Let God do, do some leading about who you date and who's, who's the kind of person you... I know a lot of girls, I'm, this is my man complaint here, a lot of the girls seem to pay super attention to the bad boys in college. They like the, the, the guys who are a little mean to them, a little rough, you know, and a little tough, and a little bad boyish. But you know what? Is that what you want to marry? I mean, think about it. You want to marry somebody like the guys sitting in this room. Same thing. You guys want the racy girl, really, to be your wife? Or do you want one of the girls at Wesley, you know, that you love and can respect and talk to your whole life? It's like, it seems to me what we want is sort of the same thing down the road. But it seems like in uh, high school, it was really bad. But everyone to date the most popular, you know, and, all, and it's like, it's not really about the right things at all. <clears throat> Evil prowls around like the roaring lion. So I think it's important. Don't think of your sexuality. Sorry, the, the clock back there is did, by the way. That's why I'm checking my, my watch to make I don't, don't talk too long. But I feel like you have to think about evil. You can think about it as Satan if that makes you feel better. But don't think of your sexuality as evil, just that it needs to stay in its place. So if a guy's out for just sex in your, in your relationship, you'll notice that it seems to be what everything ends up is snuggling, physical, you know, and less talking. One of the things Dr. Joy taught us years ago is that when the talking, I mean, excuse me, when the sexual stuff starts, talking stops. Another wise old preacher told me one time that every discussion you can have before you get married, I told you this this week, Riley, saves you a fight when you get married. You know, it's like everyone that you talk out, get out from the hidden things, there'll be plenty of enough things to fight about. You don't want to save up stuff for later. You know, it's like, I think there's really two. You could spend so many hours. Liz is such a great conversationalist. We could just talk and talk and talk and talk. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to go home. You know, it's like Liz would still want to talk some more. It's like, that's a good sign that you really like each other. You know what I mean? And liking is not the same as romantic love. You know, I think they, they should go together, but I don't think they always do. I think you better like the person you're committing to marry. So I think this is maybe the good news in all of this stuff. Down the end, he says, he cares for you, right? With all the anxiety issues and all the frustrations and all the worries that we have about being single or doing it wrong, and even that we've been compartmentalizing and not being spiritual in our dating, it's like God says at the end of it, I care for you and I care for them. So what's the message? The message is the person you ask out, and I'm encouraging you to ask people out, but make sure that you treat them like God would treat them. You know, that means treating them with respect, right, and dignity, and trying not to hurt them anymore. I know pain 
is involved in rejection sometimes when you break up, but that's real different than you know, torturing them, leading them on, going back and forth, on and off, and all that stuff is emotional torture, and nobody wants to go through that. I think about all the guy, girls that I dated and all the guys that Liz dated, and, I, and there are a couple of Liz's boyfriends I'd like to punch, you know, and then there's, there's, there's a whole lot of the girls that would probably slap me. <laughs> I, I don't know, not because I did anything immoral, just because I was insensitive, the usual, the usual problem here and stuff. But I feel like at the end of it all, let's just sing the doxology and go, praise God, He's in this somewhere. In our culture, guys, you've got to date. Sooner or later, you've got to go out with somebody. It has to happen. Or you're going to say, I'm going to be single forever. And that's fine if that's what your calling is, but most of us don't really want that. You know, most of us really want somebody. And I feel like if you know you really do, then it's okay to start to risk yourself a little bit. Don't be like the guy who waited until he was 35 and finally said, okay, I'm going to ask some people out. You know, it's like he, he was in love. I didn't tell you that. He was in love with about five or different girls in college one at a time, and then someone had asked him out before he did, you know, so he never even really got the chance until he finally decided, okay, okay, maybe God wants me to be participant in this sort of thing. Anyway, I hope I didn't hurt feelings. I'm trying to encourage you, but talk to people. You know, your feelings are, are difficult to understand, even for you, and so if you talk to objective people, another good sign is if your friends don't like who you're dating, that's a really good sign. It's not healthy, right? If your parents don't like who you're dating, it's a pretty good sign. Something's, something's wrong, with a few exceptions. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, what a, what a painful area of our lives this can be. We pray, Lord, you'd give us wisdom, uh, wisdom about computer dating and wisdom about how to meet people. Lord, help us stretch ourselves a little bit, Lord, to where we meet people and yet we're trusting you and not worrying about it too much. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.